Now we're joined by the experts at Vetify, a new data analytics and thought leadership company that is transforming financial services from an industry to a community, one relationship at a time. 800 billion, I think we have to say that again, 800 billion dollars and counting for an industry that is, is still growing in size is impressive. Todd, so you were uh, in London all last week, correct? I, I was. I took a, a break. Thankfully, the ETF industry took uh, a bit of a pause. I think it was relatively quiet. We didn't have major industry news, unlike the last time I went on vacation six months ago. But yeah, when was in London with family on vacation. Uh, I think you and others probably saw I posted some pictures uh, on Twitter just showing that I was actually trying to uh, uh, disconnect a bit from the ETF world, but still having some fun. And it's great to be back and great to great to see that uh, we've got some new players coming into the space. Well, I'm glad you had a, a great trip, and now we can look forward to the remainder of the year. Uh, I'm sure the news flow won't be uh, as slow as it was last week. And, and look, one of the bigger ETF stories I know we're both tracking these, these last four months of the year is the likely debut of Morgan Stanley's ETF business. And a couple of weeks ago, they filed to launch four ETFs. I know you wrote a piece on this for Vetify. And there, there are actually a number of angles I want to cover here. But to start, do you maybe want to briefly highlight these filings, just explain what these ETFs are, perhaps offer a little historical context as well, which I think is important to this story, and then we can go from there. Sure, and that's right. And, and for listeners that heard me, I think it was about six weeks ago when we did a look ahead for the second or close to the second half of the year. This was what I was watching. Morgan Stanley entering into the ETF market was going to be a big deal. They then subsequently filed. And they would be joining, let's just put some perspective, Morgan Stanley would be joining some other well-established asset managers that entered the ETF market in 2022. We've talked about Capital Group that launched in February and already has $3 billion in assets. I, while on vacation, a piece from uh, that I published uh, tied to Double Line launching two ETFs, uh, including the Double Line Schiller Cape U.S. Equities ETF, goes under the ticker Cape. Uh, and I also wrote about Newberger Berman that recently entered the ETF market uh, with products like Newberger Berman Carbon Transition Infrastructure ETF NBCT. But Morgan Stanley is uh, a, a significant player in the asset management world. They're a significant player through the wirehouse brokerage business, which I know we'll get to talk to as well. But as you're right, this is not their first foray into the ETF world. They launched ETFs back in 1996. I won't have you tell the audience how old you are, where you were, <laughs> but I was in college and I had hair back then. That tells you how long ago this is. They launched what were the World Equity Benchmark Series, or WEBS. Now, in the ETF space, we love our tickers. We've got SPY, the Qs, the more narrowly focused products like Moo and Tan I know everybody loves. WEBS is probably not rolling off the tongue of many ETF investors, but that's what became EEM, uh, the iShares MSCI Emerging Markets ETF, as, as Morgan Stanley was short-lived in the ETF space. They actually sold uh, that part of the business to Barclays for what I believe was actually a dollar. That's what I saw uh, having been reported. Again, I wasn't following the ETF market back in college. And then BlackRock, of course, took over the Barclays business uh, soon after that. So Morgan Stanley has a history in the ETF marketplace. And, and I guess full disclosure, that was my first job. I was a financial advisor at Morgan Stanley 
1997. So I, I honestly didn't even know they had the product there because financial advisors didn't offer ETFs the way they do today. So times have changed and a lot of, a lot of exciting things happening now for Morgan Stanley. Yeah, that's a nice little uh, ETF history lesson there. And yes, I too was in college with a lot more hair back at that time. Um, so, so talk about these, these four ETF filings. What, what, what exactly are these? Sure. So what they're doing is tapping into the in-house expertise uh, through the ESG, environmental, social, and governance space. I think it's important that we say that, not just ESG, because people tend to focus on the environment, but the environmental, social, and governance space through their Calvert business. So Morgan Stanley bought Eaton Vance in 2021. That business included Calvert Research and Management. And what they're doing is launching four, or among the filing includes four index-based equity ETFs. Three of them are tied to the firm's, being Calvert, the firm's responsible index approach. Uh, they've got a, they'll have a large cap, a mid cap, and then an international equity one. And then there's a fourth one that is a, a bit different. But I'm focusing on those three just because they're not new. Uh, in the mutual fund world, uh, Calvert has a significant index uh, ESG presence. The large cap product, again, these products, these ETF filings don't have tickers. So that's why I'm referring to them as the large cap, is likely to be a clone of the $4 billion five-star, Morningstar-rated mutual fund that, that trades under, or that, I guess is available under the ticker CISIX. That charges 24 basis points. There's an international equity index-based product that has about $700 million in assets. It's four-star rated. It charges a 29 basis point fee. I'm citing the rating uh, in part because one of these products have been around long enough. People can do their homework and understand what at least the index behind these products, how they what, what's inside them today, but also to show these funds have performed well. Uh, I'm sure the audience knows Morningstar's star ratings is based on past performance versus a broad universe. Four and five star mutual funds means that the strategies have worked out relatively well. All right, Todd. So you probably know what I'm going to ask next. But uh, look, Morgan Stanley entering the ETF space with an ESG focus was a little bit uh, eye-opening to me because I look at ESG and, in my opinion, there does seem to be a lot more scrutiny around the space this year. We've talked about it on the podcast. And not to mention, you look at the flows into ESG ETFs, those have fallen off this year. Do you like this move? Do you like Morgan coming into ETFs on the back of ESG? Well, I like Morgan coming into ETFs because that's where the money has been going into. And I like them leveraging their expertise through Calvert because that's a brand that is well-known within the RIA community that focuses on ESG. A lot of advisors have built strategies using Calvert mutual funds, both active as well as index-based products. I like that they're leading with what they're good at and they're known for, as opposed to joining the, and they may do this, join uh, the party of asset managers entering in with active products that people might be familiar with, but aren't as comfortable um, using in the ETF wrapper. Calvert's just a strong brand. People are familiar with it. And yes, there's more scrutiny uh, on ESG in 2022 than there was in 2020 and 2021 when we saw the products gain more assets. We saw 
larger flows in 20 and 2021, but there's still some money coming into these products. And it's very concentrated in the ETF space. You've got iShares being the leader in that space, and they use MSCI, which is primarily, which is a well-known index-based provider. I think Calvert uh, is is going to be able to hold its own um, and break through for folks that are continuing to build portfolios. This is still a really small space. I know it gets a lot of attention for the right reasons, uh, but it's still a relatively small pie of assets that is potentially likely to grow over time, even if it gets more scrutiny and even if we see people launching products that are the antithesis of ESG. Yeah, I guess I just feel like it's so uh, difficult to differentiate in the broad ESG space. But to your point, maybe the uh, the Calvert brand can do that for Morgan Stanley. Now, I guess I'll contradict myself a little bit in that if I were Morgan, I would enter ETFs with a lineup of core plain vanilla ETFs, uh, which obviously you can't uh, really differentiate there. But then what I would do is also lean on some active products because I feel like the one big advantage Morgan has is distribution, which I, I do want to talk about. But I, I just feel like they could have a lot more success in plain vanilla and, uh, and certainly in active than ESG. But again, maybe I'm just too biased here. Everybody knows you know, sort of my, my high-level view on ESG. I guess we'll see. Do you expect them to get much more in, involved on the actively managed side? I do. I think they've got... Uh a lot of great active strategies that they have in-house, both from the Eaton Vance acquisition that we mentioned earlier and that they have historically. I think this is the beginning of Morgan Stanley's entry or Morgan Stanley's presence in the ETF marketplace. I think they are a significant player. Uh, they've got the scale. They've got the expertise that they've brought in. Um, I, I think they've, they're going to be a player to watch the same way that we saw J.P. Morgan enter the ETF market, and a few years later, we've seen them have success. Morgan Stanley is another one of those large asset management and large financial services companies that I think can prove themselves. You, Goldman Sachs is another example of that. Now, those two firms is, you know, followed a path similar to what you were talking about. They, they currently have low-cost index-based products. They currently have actively managed products, but they also have uh, index-based strategy as well. And they also have an ESG presence. They just, I think they don't have Calvert's brand to be able to lean on, which is something that I think Morgan Stanley can be able to differentiate themselves. And I think we're going to see the Calvert brand and how they're highlighting these probably it's their name Calvert products. But I think we're going to see uh, at, at conferences and advertising and marketing, it's going to be leading with Calvert ahead of Morgan Stanley. Yeah, I think your JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs comparisons are, are perfect comparisons, because both of those companies, obviously very strong legacy brands, sort of the blue bloods in asset management. I mean, you look, JP Morgan is, I believe, the seventh largest ETF issuer, something like over $80 billion in assets. Goldman, I believe, is 14th with over $25 billion, but both came in later to the ETF space, and they've still had a lot of success, and I, I think that's what we're going to see from Morgan. Um, I, I mentioned distribution. Just like with JP and, and Goldman, I, I think that's the game changer for Morgan Stanley. I, we, we always like to say distribution is king in ETFs, right? And Morgan clearly has that. Do you want to explain that angle, why Morgan Stanley is so well positioned here? So, sure. And I think they are over the longer term. But I, I think there's a lot of attention on, or there will be a lot of attention on Morgan Stanley 
launching ETFs that will be available for advisors under the wirehouse of Morgan Stanley, as well as advisors that clear through Schwab and TD Ameritrade or that work at Wells Fargo or, or UBS or other brokerage firms. And so I, I think Morgan Stanley is going to treat these products like they do other products uh, to make sure that they're not putting their thumb on the scale. And so that means the products will need to have a certain minimum access under management. They'll need to have uh, a long enough history in order to get through the, the so-called gatekeepers that allow products to be approved and used on the platform. So I think they'll get approved on the platform because I think there'll be the ability to do due diligence. But I don't expect we're going to see significant money being moved in from uh, because these pro- on on day one or day thirty or day sixty because these products are now available for the advisors that work in Morgan that, that work in Morgan Stanley. I think that's a long term trend. It's going to benefit, but I, I just think Morgan Stanley wants to do this right, and they know that there's going to be more attention on these products. And we've had, there's a long history of of brokerage firms getting fined by regulators for for not putting the client first. And so I think they're going to do this right, which is why I'm happy that they're focusing on Calvert, which is well-known in the RIA community, and they're not leading with the Morgan Stanley name, even though some advisors uh, and probably more that are listening to this will know that Morgan Stanley owns the the, the products or runs the products that are behind Calvert. So I think this is a long-term trend, but I think Morgan Stanley is going to be a big player in this space because they've got the scale and resources to tell all advisors about these products, not just their own in-house uh, personnel. Yeah, no, look, I agree. I think, no question, Morgan Stanley is going to do this right, but you bring up a good point in terms of the regulatory considerations and potential conflicts of interest intra-firm. But again, that said, they have a, a, an army of advisors. Uh, they have a robust model portfolio business, and so maybe they'll slow play that a little bit, but ultimately... I think having those various distribution channels, they're going to lean on those pretty hard. And uh, and that's kind of what we saw, again, from J.P. Morgan and, and Goldman Sachs. And over time, I think we're going to see the the Morgan Stanley advisors really adopt their, their own ETFs. Um, Todd, you know, this is a little off topic. You were mentioning some of the minimum AUM requirements and, uh, you know, having a long enough history in terms of the due diligence process for an ETF to be on the Morgan uh, platform. One thing I've heard from countless ETF issuers over the years, especially smaller issuers, is that the Morgan Stanley platform has been notoriously difficult to get approved on. So so in other words, Morgan has supposedly put up some pretty tough barriers to allowing uh, other ETFs on their platform. I- I'm just curious, have you heard that at all? And do you think Morgan entering ETFs uh, makes that even more challenging? for their competitors now? So, I, I, I mean, I've heard lots of things within the industry, and I think smaller issuers uh, face challenges in trying to grow and get awareness on their products, and the due diligence process takes a look at not just the ETF, but also the firm behind the ETF, and so a, a well-known player within the space. Uh, you know, iShares launching a new product, or Vanguard launching a new product, it is easier for those products to get approved on the platform because of their history, uh, the, the, the overall firm's history within the ETF space. I think 
new entrants uh, it takes time to build or to provide education about. I don't think this is going to hurt them um, in that I think that these products are going to get online like every other product. I think there's just too much scrutiny as it relates to this. And I think Morgan Stanley is a relatively conservative firm. Uh, the, the broker side, the folks that are doing the ETF due diligence are relatively conservative. I don't think this hurts them. I don't think it helps them necessarily, other than there's now more products that are coming that are coming to marketplace. But I do think we're going to see all pro- you know the products that hit a certain asset management threshold. I don't believe if products need to hit an asset management threshold. In my former life, when I was at CFRA, we railed against uh, people who were holding out until an ETF hit a magic hundred million dollars of assets under management or a three-year history. We don't. I don't. I still don't believe that. Even though I've changed to Vetify, we we cover products that come out of the gate. We think they're worthwhile of investor attention, whether they're large or small firms. But I don't think this changes it. I understand why it's a question. I understand why small asset managers may be worried about it. But I think you get approved on the platform when you answer the questions that need to be answered and you hit the certain threshold. And I don't think anything is going to change that. All right, a few minutes left here. <laughs> With Morgan Stanley set to enter ETFs, who's left? Like, are there any sizable asset managers who still don't have an ETF presence? I I mean, I was trying to think through this. If you look at the list of issuers who have entered the space just over the past year or two, you named a few of them earlier. It's remarkable. Who's still left out there? So two of them come to mind. And apologies, if I'm wrong and they're out there, then, then shame on me. But one of them is MFS, uh, which actually, I believe, launched the first mutual fund back in the 1920s, 1930s. I I should know this. I'm a former mutual fund analyst. You may recall this because you're an ETF nerd. I say that respectfully. But they were the sub-advisor behind three State Street Global Advisors actively managed equity ETFs about seven or eight years ago. Uh, Those products failed to gain traction. This is before this is before ARC and others made active ETFs more viable and, and, and for something to believe in. And those ETFs were shut down. Uh, so MFS, I don't know if they still, you know, that might have given them cold feet, but they're one that still could be out there to, to launch products. Um, you know, DoubleLine followed a similar path. DoubleLine started as a sub-advisor well, they, they, in the ETF world. They started as a sub, sub-advisor to State Street Global Advisors. They still are with the TOTL, uh, among two other products, before entering. MFS hasn't yet done so, and I'm not aware of their plans to do so. The other one is uh, a Mundy Pioneer, and, and in the U.S., they're, they're perhaps more known for as the Pioneer, which have actively managed tax-efficient mutual funds. A Mundy bought them a few years back. They don't have a U.S. ETF presence, but I do believe they have a non-U.S. ETF presence. Amundi is a European firm. Um, it just seemed that they would eventually launch products in the ETF space, but I'm not aware of them um, doing so. And I guess I'll quickly drop one in. Alliance Bernstein is, is coming in September. So hmm. that I guess they filed. They're, they're close to coming with some with a couple of active fixed income ETFs, but one, am I right? The, the two firms, Amundi Pioneer and MFS, do they have an ETF presence? I don't Please think. And, you know, air. I was trying to think through too. What about uh, Wells Fargo? 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's a, uh, another big shop but, out there. Yeah, I, I you're right. They have a they have an investment management business. Uh, they too would have the benefits of the brokerage capabilities. Um, I have memories that they were that the asset management business was was being sold at one point or was potentially being sold, but I lost track of that um, when I left my mutual fund hat on the table when I moved to Vetify or my primary mutual fund hat when I moved to Vetify. But yeah, that's another firm that's out there that that certainly could have an ETF presence. Um, and, and again, could benefit from the, the brand awareness and distribution. So there's far fewer than if we had this, and I think we probably had this conversation a year ago uh, with, the, with the likes of Federated and, and, and Capital Group and Matthews Asia, uh, Alliance Bernstein coming, among others. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Newberger Berman, uh, DFA, Dimensional Funds, obviously a big one over the past couple of years, Double Line, Harbor, it's... Uh, it's just been a parade of larger asset managers entering uh, ETFs. But, Todd, I'm really excited to see how all this goes with uh, Morgan Stanley. Again, I do think they're going to have a lot of uh, success. But just another example of ETFs taking over the uh, investment world, at least in my opinion. Thanks for uh, joining me this week. My pleasure, and good luck with your conversation with Nightshares. Thank you. That was Todd Rosenbluth, head of research at Vetify.